Bethany and Alicia, your hosts of the Chile Today podcast. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-monthly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Uh, how have you been enjoying your uh, quarantine, everyone? Wait, don't answer that. You're not here. Alicia, you answer it. How I'll answer it? that. Um, it has been satisfactory. How about yours? Um, it's been fine. I, I've been, as I told you last time we recorded, I've been quite um, cozy in my apartment. Probably way more cozier than I thought I would be in such a situation. But yeah, I'm good. I got plenty of beer. You can order beer to your apartment these days. So why would you want anything else? Beer, Netflix? Really, you can order anything from what I found out. Um, yeah, it's I've had productive spikes. And then I've had days where I'm just eating food, laying down in bed, and like kind of typing emails. So it's here. It's, it's, there's no gray area. It's like very black and white. Nice. I like it. I like to imagine you that way. That's the Alicia I like to imagine. Laying down. <laughs> Eating a double cheeseburger in bed, the sauce is like dripping on my boob. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so sexual. I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yes, man, cheeseburgers. I ordered, I haven't eaten a cheeseburger in like two, three months. I've been trying to get off cheeseburgers. And so I decided, you know, fuck it, it's quarantine time. I'm going to order a cheeseburger. So I ordered a cheeseburger from my favorite cheeseburger place in the city. And when it arrived, it was cold. No. And that was when I had my first breakdown about the coronavirus. It was like, I've been here alone. I've been inside for almost five weeks and I can't even eat a cheeseburger. It's funny how it'll hit you. It's funny how it'll hit you. First world problems. Like your cheeseburger is cold. Ah, I was irresponsible and I ordered food. Ooh, also. Side note, um, we're recording on Zoom, very far away from each other. So if the audio is not up to par, um, apologies. This is what we've got. We're, tr we're really trying to bring you quality entertainment here, ladies and gents. Um, but at this point, we're also trying to not uh, suffer from the, the COVID-19, the COVID which I sometimes call it COVID for some COVID. strange reason. You're co COVIDing it? <laughs> I'm covertly trying to discuss. Okay, cut that out. Um. Anyway, so the first thing we're going to talk about today is your news. I know that none of you have had time in your life to pay attention to what's going on in Chile, obviously. So we're gonna we're gonna tell you about stuff. What do you got for us, Bethany? Okay, well, first, I'm going to talk about um, the Congress of Chile. So the opposition coalition lost the presidency of the lower house of Chile's Congress. This was this past week. Diego Paulsen of Chile Vamos coalition won two votes, while Francisco Undarraga of the same coalition won one of the two vice president slots, while Rodrigo Gonzalez won the other. Okay, so basically what this means, everybody, is the right wing now controls that part of the Congress. 
I'm going to continue. This marks a stunning upset over the opposition which had controlled that leadership position since President Sebastián Piñera took office in 2018. Chile's lower house of Congress, the Cámara de Diputados y Diputadas, Chamber of Representatives, recently elected Diego Paulsen of the National Renewal Party as the new president. I think I said that. It's fine. Um, he's the youngest president of the chamber since the return to democracy. He will be aided by Undaraga of Ivopoli and Gonzalez of the Party of Democracy, P PPD. And um, Gonzalez is the only member of the opposition to have won a seat at the head of the chamber to be elected president of the chamber. Candidates only need a majority of votes in the chamber. Um, he, Paulson, won by two votes, receiving 58. Um, to Christian Democracy and candidate Gabrielle Silbers, 56. Yeah, so just in case you needed, you wanted to know what's going on in politics in Chile. Here you go, Alicia, now you know. I appreciate that, Bethany. You're and welcome. I, yeah, we'll continue to monitor that and like see how things develop over the next couple of months too. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I was surprised that politics were still happening among, <laughs> among the I'm a little impressed that they're managing it. I mean, I feel like a lot of countries around the world are able to still push forward on some of their agendas. So Bethany, um, what does the president do? Uh, the president of the chamber, he sort of dictates and organizes when bills will be discussed. He's also the third in line to be president and he sort of just keeps organization going in order in the chamber. Okay, big job. Sounds like a pretty important job. It really does. I guess we'll see how well he does in the upcoming weeks. From so, comfortable couches. Bethany, um, remember how we're in a pandemic? What? Yeah, I know. Crazy. And um, the city, uh, some of the Kunas are in quarantine. Uh, a few people in Santiago forgot that... Um, you know, we're kind of in the middle of a crisis right now, and 23,000 vehicles left Santiago um, this, this weekend. That's insane, especially since nobody is supposed to leave the, the city, quarantine or not. It's insane. Very dangerous. Very dangerous because they are going to coastal towns, coastal cities, and could potentially infect people in those regions and the folks in like Valparaiso, Vino del Mar, other smaller towns, they don't have all of the resources that we do in Santiago as far as healthcare and, you know, medical facilities are concerned. Yeah, that, uh, that's great. That is so many. Did you say 23,000 people or 23,000 cars? 23,000 vehicles and 10,000 oh of them went to Val Valparaiso. I just don't understand <laughs> at all. Even um, more concerning, I would say, there were a few politicians and famous people who took to their private planes and helicopters and left the city and kind of snuck out. I, okay. Okay. Why? Why? I don't understand. It's not like we're not almost all on like a sort of mini vacation anyway not really i'm working but we're not supposed to be moving no we're not we're supposed to be staying inside and one of the parts that i've read was that these people some of them didn't even have their own planes or helicopters they rented helicopters and planes and i can barely rent a car so i'm curious as to how that works it's really hard for me to imagine like where your priorities are at that point 
like if you're a, a, a person with with a lot of means and you think like okay this doesn't affect me or I mean not even just the people taking the helicopters people in the cars as well it's like where are your priorities man it's obviously not preventing this pandemic from getting worse I think with the cars too, there were 262 cars that were rejected or like told to go back to the city, which out of 23,000, that's odd. And I'm not really sure how that worked, but I would have to say with the helicopters and the aircrafts, they're not going to get pulled over, you know, like there's no chance for them to really get caught. It's not like people are going to fly around and chase them. Um, But I just, I'm really concerned about this, especially since you'd go outside and there were like drones flying over and there were military stops and there were police officers everywhere. So I'm not really sure how this happened. I don't know why people would take the risk. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting after this weekend to see if the curve is affected at all. I mean, I, I definitely think it's going to be affected. Uh, it's going to be affected, especially since uh, so many people are going to places like Valparaiso. It's not a big city, you know, no. and they're probably... Also, what are they doing? Are they just... Are, I, I don't understand. Like, can you still walk around the streets in Valparaiso? I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, and I would imagine that there, like, not all the restaurants would be open. And if everybody tried to squish on the beach, I don't know, it's really cold right now. It, it doesn't make any sense. But I feel like people are going stir crazy. And maybe when they are in positions of privilege, they, you know, tend to overlook the safety factors for people who might not have as much. Yeah, it's just I I have very bad feelings about how this is going to impact the curve and and in the people who are healthy, which might not be able, you know, we might have a big jump in cases. And I don't know, it just seems very selfish to me. I mean, I would love to go to the beach right now, you know, (laughs) that would be fabulous. But I also don't want to go to the beach right now because, you know, there's a pandemic outside and even if you don't take it seriously, I don't want to get sick. No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, who wants to be sick for a month, you know, whether you care about other people or not, which you should. Like, I don't want to be sick for a month. No, thanks. Yeah, so I'm interested. We'll give an update in the next episode about how the curve is doing here and see if it was impacted at all. We can follow Yeah, I mean, hey, if it's not impacted at all, I'll take back everything I said. As will I. But, but I have a feeling it's, I mean, especially for the citizens of Alpareso, probably it's not going to be, it's not going to be great. Okie dokie. More fun, exciting, positive news. Um, a volcano erupted in Xi'an. It, it's called the Nevados de Xi'an. It erupted with an explosion on April 8th. Uh, this is one of the largest eruptions in its current cycle that started four years ago. And all is, all is relatively calm now, but authorities continue to keep a watchful eye on the situation with the volcano. Just before 6 p.m. that day, the volcano blew its top, and it was the largest explosion um, since 2016, January 2016. Um, it formed a column of hot ash and gas that rose 3.7 kilometers from the summit, and it also caused a small earthquake. The volcano remains alert at a uh, yellow level which has been uh, the case since it started showing signs of increased activity five years ago. Um, There is an exclusion zone around the volcano of two kilometers, and um, they think that there's probably going to be more explosions in the coming weeks, but it doesn't seem like it's too dangerous at this moment, just um, taking precautions. 
that's a little scary. Was every, everyone was okay? Yeah. Um, I think in places, uh, like Xi'an there, it's not so abnormal. Okay. Um, and I think that they were evacuated, um, the, like the exclusion zone if people are told to stay away in case there's any, um, lava. I don't think this is a, like a Pompeii situation. Okay. Yeah. That's all I can flash my mind. And like, <laughs> The land before time, it's still looking good in my head. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think that for people like you and I who are from uh, places that don't have volcanoes, <laughs> our, enti- our entire like thoughts about volcanoes are, are definitely a little bit, uh, I don't know, hyperbolic. Like every time you think of a volcano, you just imagine like hot lava, like running through the streets of the city and people, or that movie Volcano. That's what I think of. Oh, for sure. And as a child, I had such an unrealistic fear of lava, just lava being right in random places. And now when I, I get a little triggered whenever I yeah. see a volcano. Oh my gosh. I like had, I used to have nightmares of the, of the movie Volcano because my mom was a, was a science teacher and she taught earth science and she taught about volcanoes. And so I got way too much exposure to what lava can do to the human body. And so I don't know. I'm a, every time I used to see like a, a, a big hill, I was like, mom, is that a volcano? And she was like, no, you're stupid. Stop. <laughs> there, volcano was a traumatic film. I remember the part where like the firefighter, that guy is like his legs are melting. I don't know. It was horrible. I, I, yeah, not great. And like the teenagers who were like in the like hot spring and they're like, ooh, we're teenagers and we're sexy and ha ha ha. And then they get boiled alive. That was traumatizing for me as a small child. I was like, they were just having fun as teenagers. Till this day, whenever I'm in like a geothermal pool, I'm like, you know, at any second, I could just boil. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it just get really, really hot, really, really fast. Faster than I can actually just climb out of the pool. It doesn't take water a while to get hot. What? Other crazy things in nature um, over the past couple of weeks, there has been wildlife in the city, Bethany. Oh, my goodness. And uh, there have been four pumas that have been sighted. One was inside of a home in Colina. Uh, There was one roaming around Providencia. Wait, wait, wait. Inside of a home? Inside of a home. Not really sure how that happened. What? But could you imagine? No. I mean, yes, I can imagine, but it seems like some Tiger King bullshit. <laughs> right. It was released. Like, these stories happened in an oddly, um, in a strange and coincidental timeline to Tiger King. Um, but yeah, inside the house, one was just roaming around Providencia. There was another Ichigareu, um, Ninoa. But the cool thing is, is that they were tranquilized and all taken back into nature. Oh, good. It's not the same one that's coming back out being like, I'm coming back out. This is my city now. It's not the same one. No, I, in <laughs> fact, I think this is a coalition to take over. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I have theories. Uh, they're not really founded in science or this facts. This is a new protest from the Chile crisis. They're sending pumas into the street. It's smart and untraceable. <laughs> actually just like leftists in like costumes and they're like ah i gotta get those pumas out of the streets there's also been condors landing on people's balconies which is awesome um and in uh kilpue there is there's a cow issue they are being overrun by cattle 
Well, they, we all deserve that. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, in response to the hamburger comments we were making earlier. <laughs> we're, we deserve to be overrun by cattle. <laughs> we deserve it. Experts are saying uh, that because of the lack of humans in the streets, animals are coming down. There's probably some trash for them to be eating. They don't feel as threatened. There's not as much noise. But they're also saying that the animals could be coming into the city because of the drought, and they're coming to look for provisions, essentially, food, water. Oh, nice. Well, I had a thought, you know, I heard about the pumas, and I've had way more, like, flies in my apartment than I've ever had before. And I'm like, is it because there aren't people outside eating and throwing things on the street, and now they just want to eat all the stuff in my apartment? There's so many flies everywhere. It's like the same thing, right? Pumas, flies. Yeah, would you rather have the fly or the puma in your in your apartment? Depends. How big is the puma? They're medium-sized, I guess. I, this is a trick question because I really, really want to see... I know, I know in my logic brain that those are wild animals and they could easily eat my face off, but also there's my I love cats brain and it is a cat and I want to cuddle it more than I want to live. So it's hard. I kind of want the puma. That's fine. I, I respect that. I respect that. Judgment. I, I know that it could kill me, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is worth it. Maybe you could use mouse to distract it. Mao is deathly allergic to cats, so what I'm also saying is that I would put his life on the line also to pet a puma. <laughs> oh, I love cats. They're so cute. Um, we also, speaking of other wild animals in the street, did you hear that Pineta was uh, getting his picture taken next to... <laughs> It was an innocent transition, everyone. An innocent transition. That was a great transition. <laughs> it was it was an apolitical, I promise. Uh, next to the statue Bakedano, did you see that? He was getting his picture taken. I saw that. I had mixed feelings because on one end I was like, oh, it was it, I don't know. I want to believe that it was an innocent mistake and oversight but part of me is just like how does that happen especially when you're surrounded by like advisors and people who are constantly telling you like what is a good and bad idea i just feel like it was such a big <laughs> f you to everyone to be honest yeah well okay so here's the thing first of all pineta's advisors don't like somebody should have been like bro not a good idea first of all he did it during the full quarantine at santiago centro so he was breaking the quarantine to do this which that's first of all if you are telling all of the citizens in the the comuna to not be in the streets and you're doing it yourself that's a dick move and then you go to like the one place that's symbolic of the crisis it's just no matter what the intentions were it was in poor taste like come on man it was a slip i would say i i don't know <laughs> if it was I don't know. And it's hard to read into that. And I think that's why it's so important to, when you're in a leadership position, one, to lead by example. If you're going to ask your, if you're going to ask the citizens of your region to stay inside and be safe, then you can't be abusing your power to go out where they can't go and then get upset when there's 23,000 vehicles leaving the city because, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like yeah. it was not handled well. I mean, you say everybody needs to stay inside. How dare all these people leave the country when you've just, or in the city, when you've just gone out yourself. And then, I don't know. It, it just was in such poor taste. And I just can't imagine what he was thinking. 
like sometimes when politicians do stuff, I'm like, what, what were you, what, what were you thinking? I want to know. I want to be like, well, tell me your thought process. Was it like, I've always wanted to go here and I've never had a chance because I love this guy, this statue Bagirano guy. And I've always wanted a picture and nobody would ever let me get a picture because I'm so rich. You know, or is it like, <laughs> I, I want to know, what is your thought process? I don't know. And I feel like one, very dangerous because of all the pumas roaming around. And two, I, I don't know, maybe it's just like a simple human error. But I think that's why it's important for politicians to have people help them and give them advice. So you don't make these monumental symbolic gestures to an entire country. Yeah. Or you just, you know, though, if a puma did at attack Piñera, then the puma, there would be like no more matapacos. It would be the puma would now be the symbol of the leftist resistance, I think. It would be the puma with the <laughs> red bandana around its neck. Yep, red bandana puma. <laughs> okay, so, um, great. Oh, we also wanted to uh, introduce you guys to our new music. I'm sure you heard it. We are experimenting a little bit with uh, our intros and exits, trying to be, trying to stay true to who we are as um, podcasters. Our other previous music was wonderful. We thank our um, podcast Pinguino for picking that out for us. But uh, it sounded way more serious than we are. And we don't want you to get the wrong idea that we are the end-all be-all of all news in Chile. Though ChileToday.cl is the best place for you to get your news. They really, really are. They are professional AF and do so much research. We're the entertainment value. We're the things you can laugh at, or with, I mean, with. <laughs> laugh at us, make fun of us, comment on how I got some sort of detail wrong with the color of the Puma's bandana. Um, we understand that. We're not 100% um, news journalisms. <laughs> We have a very special episode today. Why don't you tell them what our episode's about today, Alicia? All right. I'm so excited. It's about cults, <laughs> specifically Chilean cults. And just a quick disclaimer, some of the content is uncomfortable, sad, traumatic even. Um, and just, yeah, if you, just, just be wary if you're going to listen to it. We're going to try to omit some of the more gruesome details but there's definitely content in there that's um sensitive right so uh this i guess is our our very professional warning that we will be talking about some sensitive issues um uh, but if you like me love cults not quite sure how you didn't end up joining cult you will enjoy this episode so alicia take it away with our first cult all right the first cult of the day um antares de la luz and this cult was founded by Ramon Gustavo Castillo Gallete. <laughs> Wait, Gallete? Like cookie? I might have pronounced that wrong. It's, it's oh, G-A-E-T-E. Okay. Oh, well then no. But this guy was not a sweet cookie. He was actually a really <laughs> bad man. Um, he grew up in Santiago and studied at, um, in Las Condes in Unoa. In 2005, he avoided performing military service with the help of his aunt. He shaped his head and kind of walked around appearing like a madman for a while. 
When Wait, is that how he avoided military service? Just pretending he was crazy? Well, that, in addition to, um, he had to go in and present his documents to the military. And when he walked in, he possessed an unusual attitude with a mystical and fixed gaze. And he would gaze into the eyes of these military, into the soldiers' eyes, and he would try to touch their firearms seductively. What? So, as a result, um, he did not have to serve any time or any duty. I don't think you have to go through that, though. I'm pretty sure you just have to go in and sign a document. (laughs) I don't think it's necessary for you to sexually caress a firearm. I mean, we are American, so... (laughs) <laughs> who hasn't sexually caressed a firearm. <laughs> yeah, to me, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, normal. This is totally normal. It makes sense. <laughs> um, so in 2005, he goes to China with um, a group, a tour group, and he became interested in oriental medicine and local musical instruments. After several months of kind of experimenting with oriental me- uh, medicine and um, some spiritual practices, he had a revelation and renamed himself Antares de la Luz, or Antares of Light, um, in reference to the brightest star in the Scorpio constellation. So Antares is a star? Apparently so. Okay. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. You're not wrong. You're 100% right. If anyone ever questions you, I will hurt them. Thank you, Bethany. Um, (laughs) Even better, that soon after he renamed himself, after what's definitely a star, uh, he became <laughs> obsessed with extraterrestrials. This is the best cult. I love cult stories when they, they bring in the aliens. Oh, there's aliens, the cresting of firearms. This guy named himself after a star. Um, so then in 2009, he formed a group of healing, quote unquote healing, um, which would later become a cult. And he started this in Las Condes. So the cult started off in Las Condes. In 2010, they moved to the Valparaiso region. 2011, they moved to San Jose de Maipo, next to Concon, and a couple months later to Mantegua. And in Man- I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Mantegua, where they, became, they began experimenting with ayahuasca and performing animal sacrifices. Ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is a hallucinogen that was traditionally used by South Americans, I believe, in ritual, in rituals and spiritual activities. Yes, I love it. Okay, so we got aliens. We got experimental drugs. We got China. We got it all. We've got animal sacrifices, which personally really hate, but... Um, so what, what, do you know what they were sacrificing for? Was it to give them healing powers? To bless the gods? I didn't read about what that was for necessarily, but throughout the story, they keep referencing that they were trying to talk to spirits. And so perhaps it was a sacrifice to the spirits, but there's a, there's a really bad sacrifice coming up, Bethany. Oh no. Oh no. Is it a puma? Oh, he was worse. Um, yes, I'm so excited. Let's go. Oh, God. Um, so soon after they started performing animal sacrifices, Ramon was convinced to, that he was the reincarnation of God. So he began hosting Bible studies. And soon after, he would host sexual orgies and he would have, um, he would have sex with the women of the cult. 
Okay. So women first joined this cult because they thought that it would heal them. They wanted to be part of something bigger. I think that human nature, we always want to be in that club or, you know, that religious affiliation. We always want to belong somewhere. And I think that there's certain people who can be radicalized easier than others. And the thing with cults that I've noticed um, is that it kind of starts off subtle, right? Like this guy started off as a healer and then it kind of went into um, Bible studies and then sex and, you know, there were, there's animal sacrifices. And at one point he even forced all of the members to kill their own pets because he told them that <gasps> cats and dogs are evil. Fuck this guy. It gets progressively worse throughout the story. So he Why? takes that them little off. puppy never did anything to anybody. No, poor Rover. It is the worst. He moved everybody into a makeshift adobe hut. He covered the roof with zinc sheets, I think maybe for the aliens, who could say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the floor was made out of dirt. They didn't have water, electricity. Um, there wasn't a bathroom. There was a lead journalist on the case. Um, last name Foxley, and this kind of explains it. He said that all the members of the cult had mental health, a history of mental health um, problems, issues, and they were all in search of a dream, happiness, and a better life. And he said that it started off slowly, but then um, Ramon, he really began trying to control everyone and their behavior, so he would determine what clothes they wear, the colors that they would use for their clothing and what they ate. Um, and he also would control the media that they consumed. He had them watch The Matrix more than 100 times, I guess. I mean, I do that willingly. I have too. I, I've been fine <laughs> with that, but I'm curious about like how, you know, and I don't know if they chose, what is it, the red or the blue pill? Um, so because he thought that he was God, he convinced everyone that if he had a son, the son would be the Antichrist, and the Antichrist would bring about the end of the world. But, as we said before, he was having sex with members of the cult, um, and he had a relationship with Natalie Guerra, and she had been a follower of his since the beginning, and she gave birth to a baby on November 21st, 2012. And Ramon Castillo, because he had convinced everybody that the baby was the Antichrist, he burned his three-day-old baby alive in a sacrificial offering. Jesus. And Christ. all of the members of the cult took part in this. Ugh. It was the first human sacrifice recorded in Chile. The cult mm. was convinced that this would prevent the world from ending. The mother approved of it. <sighs> and That's they... disgusting. It's disgusting. And they were all on ayahuasca when, when this took place, allegedly. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um, so just sad and disturbing. Um, if you want to read more about how 
like the actual sacrifice happened, um, you can do the research, but I, Bethany and I decided to leave that out today. Kind of, um, it's it was pretty, yeah. Very graphic. Pretty graphic. Really don't need that visual. Um, a few months later, the sect um, was, or the, the cult was in a celebration for the end of the world, which I'm not sure why they thought that it would still happen considering that they burned a baby alive to stop it. We're celebrating that we saved the world from the end of the world. I'm not really sure, but they, they yeah, all Yeah, let's gathered. not try to reason. Let's not try to reason out <laughs> these crazy people. There were hallucinogens involved. Um, but anyway, they gathered in on December 21st of 2012, it looks like. Um, and the world didn't end. They all gathered because the world was going to end. It didn't happen. And then, oh, surprise. And then Ramon Castillo, he was like, oh, oops, I'm just kidding. He's like, I'm going to reset the date to April 21st of 2013. He just like reset Man, the end of the world. If I had a nickel for every time a cult guy has like, just kidding, it's, it was actually a different day. Yeah, I would how do you at just least have schedule the end of the world like a Google Calendar invite? You're just like, oh, <laughs> boop. If you're in an organization that they keep rescheduling events, leave i mean if you're in a book club that keeps rescheduling your book club just you don't need to you don't need them they're obviously don't want to read books that much same thing for cults it's the same so he gives notice to all of his followers that they have to move to ecuador and they're supposed to wait there until his prophecy is fulfilled two of his followers decide to leave the cult because they're like this guy is full of shit and then now, a case at, was this over. Point, <laughs> at this not point not the murder not the murder, but Ecuador. <laughs> Fuck that. That's the deal breaker. We're, we're Chileans. We don't fucking live in Ecuador. I'm out. So that was the deal breaker. Two of them left. A case was opened in 2013, and Ramon Castillo became the most wanted person um, in Chile. So the, uh, the authorities then, I guess, found out that he was, that he killed a person. Yeah, that he killed a baby, a three-day-old, his three-day-old baby, like his child. And so a manhunt ensues and in Chile, Peru, and Ecuador, because they kind of bounced around in um, all three countries, he was found dead in an abandoned house in the city of Cusco, Peru, Cusco-topia, um, on May 1st, 2013. <laughs> sorry, oh, I love that movie, I'm really sorry. That was unwarranted. Um, anyway, I, I love you so much for that. That's the kind of levity I need when talking about cults. <laughs> I just picture like the llama finding. Anyway, um, so he hung himself. He found out he was being cornered by the authorities and he decided to kill himself. His family was devastated because they were super embarrassed. I'm guessing because it sounds like they lived in Las Conas or the Las Conas area. So they were, you know, like, you know. Rich what are you trying to say about Las Condes, Alicia? <laughs> okay. But anyway, his uncle, Gustavo Gallete, still not sure if it's like the cookie or not. Don't know how to pronounce it. He, <laughs> Gustavo Galleta. Galleta, Galleta, Galleta. Um, he, he said he wanted to ask for forgiveness. He says, I, I, he says, he says, um, he said, I ask for forgiveness from all, from every Chilean. I ask for forgiveness in the name of God for this terrible act committed by my nephew. Um, 
four of the cult members were arrested. I'm not sure if any more were after that. And the mother of the baby was arrested as well. And obviously yeah. charged with homicide. Yeah. That's yeah. inappropriate. Oh, intense. Yeah. So that's, What was the cult's name again? Antares de la Luz. Antares de la Luz. That's intense. Very Bethany, close to home. you have a cult for us too, don't you? Oh my gosh. Uh, if you thought Antares de la Luz was bad, just hold on to your britches, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to talk about the very prolific Colonia de Mirab. And um, I don't know if you've heard about this, Alicia, but if you haven't, you will probably never stop hearing about it because it's, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. I have not heard about it. Please tell me everything. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to try to do my best to cover the information as well as I can. But if you want more information, there are books re- dedicated to this, websites dedicated to this. So many things. So I'm going to do my best. Um, but if you want more information, we can um, maybe provide a little, a couple of web pages you can look at. Yes, we'll do that so, in the description. This is Colonia Dignidad, the Chilean Nazi cult. That's oh, what I entitled this. Yeah. So uh, it's got, I mean, this doesn't have aliens, but it's got Nazis. So it's like the same thing, right? Essentially. Okay, so the leader uh, of Colonia Dignidad was named Paul Schaefer. Um, he was German, so it's probably like Paul Schaefer or something like that. But <laughs> I'm not German. So let's talk a little bit about him first, because he's, um, uh, cause he's a very interesting uh, uh, human Nazi. So he was a real Nazi, not just like me being relating him to Nazi. He he grew up on the Dutch-German border. He wanted to be an SS officer, but he was apparently a very clumsy child and gouged his own eye out with a fork when he was younger. So the SS officers were like, "No, nah, you can't be <laughs> you can't be with us because you have only one eye." And um, so and he's not he good with forks. Right, like, well, how are we going to trust you with a firearm, bro? You can't even eat like a normal human. <laughs> so that's just, I feel like that takes talent to poke your own. Okay, so let's not think too much about it. Um, so after his forking accident, he was rejected from the, the SS officer corps, but he was a big participant in the Hitler Youth programs, and he eventually became a Nazi corporal. I don't know anything about military history, so you guys that do gasp with awe about that. So, of course, um, newsflash, the Nazis lost the war. And um, as a Nazi, to try to um, portray himself as a upstanding citizen, he set up a children's home in a Baptist ministry. Um, in 1959, he created what, uh, a private social mission, which he claimed was a charitable Christian organization. Um, in this organization, he advocated, quote, a strict adherence to the Bible, a woman's duty to obey her husband, and apocalyptic visions such as uh, Los Angeles sinking beneath the ocean. <laughs> 
It reminds me of my time spent growing up in Christian school. We, we often talk about Los Angeles sinking beneath the ocean in, in my Bible studies, too. It was a common theme. It was, it was very, very uh, normal. Okay, so the same year, he was charged with sexual abusing two children, and when he was charged with this, he uh, fled the children's home. Um, and he reclo- relocated for a bit to the Middle East. Eventually, uh, he came in contact with the Chile ambassador to Germany, who invited him to Chile, who said that he would be safe in Chile. And he arrived in Chile in 1961 with about 70 followers, which were from his mission and, and different things, because he was a preacher who was preaching that Los Angeles would sink. And, um, He also arrived with many children who had been kidnapped from where he had been. So he had kidnapped children, brought them to Chile. And the colony continued to, quote, import, which is from the website I found, quote, import children from Germany and surrounding areas until the end of (laughs) traffic, uh, until the end of his leadership from the Colonia de Mira. The government at the time that he arrived in Chile was led by the conservative president, Jorge Alessandri, and granted him special permission to create what was then called the Dignidad Beneficent Society on a farm outside of Parral. And initially he created like this commune that was supposed to be, okay, he created a commune with permission from the president that was supposed to be based on Baptist principles and anti-communist principles. (laughs) And it developed into what was called Colonia Dignidad, the Colonia Dignidad cult community. Schaefer, despite living in Chile for most of his adult life, could not speak Spanish, and he only spoke German, and only German was spoken inside the colony, which is really interesting because um, to this day, the people who had been in the colony still only speak German. Yeah, wow. they, they don't speak Spanish, they can't speak Spanish. Um, so uh, he wanted the... Colonia Dignidad, the commune, to be seen by the Chilean government and by the outside as a utopian paradise frozen in time before World War II. So uh, as lovely as that sounds, um, that means like the people that were there had to dress like they were from Germany before World War II. They like farmed their own land without like advanced equipment. And it was... um, Crazy. Uh, And he also kept, so within the actual community, he kept children and parents completely separate because he said that the problems in a child's education aren't children, it's because of the negative influence of their parents who are responsible for the sins of the children. So children and um, parents were kept separate, which made this really easy for him to sexually abuse and rape the children, which is what he did. Um, and so when, as time passed, of course, Salvador Allende came to power. And at this time, because he was very anti-communist, he turned the Colonia Dignidad into a fortress, basically. Um, and he smuggled weapons into um, the fortress from Germany. Um, and he did this 
through boxes that said they were going to a charitable organization because uh, customs would not check donations to charitable organizations, but that they were weapons. It's smart. Um, it's smart. It, I mean, I don't think he was a dumb man. He was just really evil. And so um, he had a lot of machine guns and he also started to torture the people who were inside the colony, specifically the children. If they misbehaved, he would do electric shocks to them. Um, it was just really bad. There's more graphic details, um, but I'll let anybody who's really curious about that, that they can go look it up. So when uh, Pinochet came to power, um, the colony was and Schaefer himself was a huge supporter of Pinochet and he basically volunteered the now fortress center to become a torture center an execution execution center for the Chilean police um and so they also provided weapons so they had weapons for Pinochet they provided um torture chambers and um execution as well and um Pinochet visited the, the colony and uh, Pinochet granted him with certain mining rights and um, limousines and um, it was not a good thing. So, scrolling down a little bit. Uh, eventually, the, ch the children were the ones who exposed the asshole and um, the Chilean government, uh, post Pinochet, tried to uh, arrest him, but they couldn't find him um, for a long time. I mean, we got years here. So, so he was arrested. I'm burping because I drink a lot of beer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very appropriate thing to do when talking about cults. I did like your koozie, just side note. Isn't it adorable? It says Costa Rica. My swagda gave it to me. Um, Pura Vida? I have no idea what I... What? I think we were talking about um, torture. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so Schaefer disappeared in 1997, fleeing child sex abuse charges, but he was tried in his absence because in Chile, you can try people when they're not present. Now, a lot of countries, you can't do that. You have to have, like, the person that you're accusing present. But in Chile, you can um, charge people when they're not present. And he was um, uh, charged with uh, abuses in 2004. And he was wanted in Germany and France. He was eventually found in 2005, um, eight years after his disappearance, uh, hiding in a townhouse in Buenos Aires. Um, and he remained in custody until his death um, when he died on in 2010. Wow. Yeah. This, this went on for a long time, the, the human rights abuses and everything. Uh, the, the colony grew to have 350 people and 100 of which were children. The, uh, the colony, like I said, it was a fortress. It had barbed wire, searchlights, a watchtower. Um, and he made sure that this was a completely isolated society, not just from the outside looking in, but from the inside looking out. So everybody that lived there, that grew up there, those children, had no idea what the world was like outside of the colony. 
you know, they could only speak German. They only knew the life that they knew. They, they, they knew it was a completely isolated cult. They were brainwashed from ch childhood to adulthood. Um, he was very paranoid about outside attacks. Uh, 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 scrolling, what else? I think that's basically it. Batman was not nice. Um, no, he was not a not a nice man. So that's Colonia Dignidad, and there is so so much more to say about him. He was such a horrible. I mean, he. Even was a lot of people believe, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he was um, creating chemical weapons to wow. use against the leftists, and that he definitely killed people. And a lot of the desaparecidos or the disappeared people died there, and that there were there were like secret tunnels underneath the colony. And um, like I said, the you can still go to this place that where this colony was of course it was opened back up but it's sort of like walking back in time because the people who were in the colony are now adults and they can't speak spanish but they can cook good food so people go there and they like go to their little restaurants that they opened up and it's like walking into a little part of germany in chile it's super weird remind me where this is located it up deep dot. Okay, it's um a good question. It's not underwater Los Angeles, Paral. Interesting. Okay. Wow, yeah. that's a lot to digest. Yeah, and it's um if you go, it, it's I've never been. There's part of me that thinks like I I I understand like that these people were victims. But, like, it just makes me feel really, Because uh, there's some people that are like, oh, cool, German oasis in the middle of Chile. And I'm like, oh, ooh, German oasis in the middle of Chile. That was caused <laughs> by, like, this Nazi that came here and murdered a lot of people. So, I don't know. I feel like it should be much, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's weird. It's somber. But I think that it's also maybe an opportunity for the people that live there to have some sort of normalcy in their life. If they can, you know, talk to people who come in and, and maybe experience a culture other than German cults. Yeah, no. And I understand that. I just, um, and I, I think it, I don't know. I get, a, I get very uncomfortable when some people in Chile are very um, fixated with, like, I don't know, um, German culture. It gets, it makes it very awkward, awkward for me. I'm like, Nazis. <laughs> I don't know. And I understand, like, it's, like, it's not those victims' fault. They're being, they're doing the best that they can to survive something very horrible that they went through. Um, but I also don't want to forget the Chilean victims of that cult. So it's hard. It's hard. Damn. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's interesting at least. Um, well, perhaps on a lighter note, our events coming up, we know you guys can't leave the home or you are social distancing. Thank you for that. Um, here are a couple of Chilean experiences that you can have from the comfort of your couch. 
Um, Chile 360 is an app developed by the Imagine de Chile Foundation, and it allows you to explore the country's popular tourist attractions through virtual reality. To access, you can download their app on your smartphone. You can also virtually view About to Happen. It's an expedition by the renowned Chilean artist Cecilia, I think it's Vicuña. The installation is hosted by the MOC from Home, MOCA from Home program at the Museum of Contemporary Art in North Miami. And you can view the exhibits online. And you can do that by going to M-O-C-A-N-O-M-I dot O-R-G. And also, super jazzed about this, Cinema Chili is um, releasing two films per week. And you can stream them for free on Cine, <laughs> Cine? CinemaChili.cl. That's C-I-N-E-M-A-C-H-I-L-E dot C-L. I am definitely going to, I wrote that down in my trusty analog notebook. I'm definitely going to go watch the movies. And if you have any suggestions for um, an upcoming episode, please reach out to us. We can be reached at Chili Today Podcast on Instagram. Um, we're also on Facebook. And you can write to us, what is it, Chili Today Podcast at gmail.com? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Chile Today Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want any news updates about what's happening in Santiago right now, what's happening in Chile politically with the coronavirus, all of your live updates you can get by going to chiletoday.cl, which is a news website. They're much more professional than we are. Um, <laughs> they give us a simple job of entertaining you. But they're they're amazing, and you can communicate with them or read articles about them, and they're fabulous, very professional. Um, we want to thank our producers, Podcast Pinguino and Diego Rivera, for making us sound so beautiful all the time. And we will see you in um, two weeks. No, Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, stay inside and don't let your goats go to the hills. Yeah, don't let Los Angeles sink under the ocean. <laughs> Bye. Bye.